I wasn't tripping. If I lost a boyfriend on Monday, I would have another one on Wednesday. I, it literally like school was that simple that nobody cared. It- hey you, welcome to the Surrender to Thrive podcast, a podcast that encourages black healers to put themselves first. I'm Melanie, founder of Surrender to Thrive and clinical mental health therapist. And I'm Victoria, licensed professional counselor and founder of Trust Between Us, a safe place to store your thoughts. Every week, we'll be sitting down with folks from our community to have intimate conversations and take a holistic and honest dive into what it means to be well. All right, y'all, enough of the professional intros because we're getting all in our feelings today. (laughs) So get comfy and join us for this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Serenity to Thrive Podcast. We're your host, Melanie D. And we have another special guest um, on the podcast today. But before we introduce her, um, we have a question that we like to ask every guest. And that is, um, how has surrendering played a role in your life? Mm. Yeah, let's see. How has surrendering played a role in my life? Well, definitely it's, it's allowed me to, I mean, essentially just get out of my comfort zone and just do things that I were either too scared to do or had never thought about. And so once I stepped into those uncomfortable spaces, I was like, oh, this is what this looks like. This is how I can navigate through it. So really it's just allowed me to grow and just see what type of person that I could be when I'm in certain environments of what that looks like. Okay, nice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and obviously, you'll know the voice. It's Ambria, uh, or AKA a handful of lit on IG, which is where I met you for the first time. Um, and I remember watching your stories um, a while ago, because I look back on our message, I was like, oh, we've been like kind of talking here and there since January of this year. Uh, and one of the first conversations we kind of got into was Love is Blind because your commentary was hilarious on it. And that was, that was season, I think that was season two. Um, but before we even get into that, because that is a question I'm going to explore with you, because at this point, the show is not doing that great when it comes to like representation, when it comes to love. If you actually can find love by focusing more on like personality. Um, more on like values and things rather than like superficial things like looks. Um, but we'll get into them more. But I want to get to know you more specifically because when I came across your IG, I love, well, first I'm a reader in general. Uh, so when I came across the Instagram, that's one of the things I pointed out, which is like, I love your content um, and just seeing how you highlight Black authors and things like that. So I really want to get into like, how have you seen yourself with the characters in the book series? So just to kind of backtrack, like I wasn't a reader from like as a kid, like you may some people. So for me, it was kind of like I may have saw a book here and there that caught my interest in high school. And when I you know, went to the school library, I may, you know, have checked it out or whatever. But um, what I was noticing with myself was I like to call them books that have um, unfortunate events, but those were the books that I was into. Um, I wasn't really into like romance of any kind or, um, like sci-fi, YA. It was always 
Well, actually, it was YA, young adult, but it was always like there was something going on. Like it was teen pregnancy. There was some type of substance abuse or parental, emotional, physical abuse. And I'm just like, oh, this is good. <laughs> and so <laughs> as I got older, I was like, OK, all these books that I'm reading have white characters, which is fine. But I'm like, I want to read about me. Yeah. Or, no, I just want to read about people of color. Um, and so when I got to college, one of my minors is African-American studies. Um, and so I read a lot of Bell Hooks or Kimberly Crenshaw or um, what's another name? Um, Ralph Ellison. And just like I'm, I'm learning about all of these Black stories that I had never heard of before. Um, and from there, I just started to like go down this rabbit hole of like, OK, well, who else, you know, is a black author? What else have they written about? Um, and from there, I was just like, oh, OK, here's this whole genre that I didn't even know existed. Um, and so I started to find myself when it comes to if you just think about slavery, if you think about Jim Crow, segregation. And then if you come to the present, it's like, OK, if I wanted to get into romance, even though it's not really my thing. I'm finding um, Black characters who are experiencing romance in some type of way, or I'm finding Black characters who are going through some type of family dynamics, but it's something that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. uh, so long story short, from college on, I've been able to find myself in books. Ooh, that's interesting, because I would assume, like, you've been reading a lot, like, not a lot, but, like, reading since, like, childhood, or, like, really interested in books in childhood. Um, I think that's cool that you kind of sparked your interest more as you got older and like in college. Um, because I know you and now are like book readers. <laughs> Listen, I was just thinking about my progression because I was like in a Junie B. Jones, like that was my thing, right? And then I like progressed to Goosebumps, and then it was the Blue series. That was like my first black series. I don't know if it's a black author, but it was like black characters where they were talking about high school things like bullying or you know friendship or like losing people. Like that's when I really got into that. And then we're talking like I'm in fifth grade reading Thugs and the Women Who Love Them, you know, and I'm reading all this raunchy stuff, the maintenance man, like stuff that my mom had laying around. I'm like, this stuff is good and like visualizing things I probably shouldn't have been, but I can actually see. And I had gave these characters like an identity, like this is what they look like. I know this is probably how you look like, oh, I know he's fine. Like you read about these characters who the women are attracted to. And like, I never had read like a Zane book until later on. Like, I know there was another popular one. Um, but I just remember like reading all this crazy stuff and then still like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See is one of my favorite books or Freckle Juice. And people are like, what is Freckle Juice about? And it was literally like this kid using a marker to make freckles. Like, I don't remember why he wanted the freckles, but I love the book. Like, and I would, that's the only book that I was like, I'll read that again. And I would finish like two, three books a week. You know, I read like Holes. And that's when I just, I didn't know that. Um, movies were created from books. Like I was that young where I just thought, oh, they still in this book idea. Now they're gonna make a movie. Not knowing that's how most movies come about, you know, from an idea of some sort, you know, prior to it actually hitting the screen. So I would always find myself wanting to find the movie after reading the book and not wanting to see the movie until I read the book just to see what they did differently. Mm -hmm. Since they condense it so much. So yeah, just my journey with books has been different. And then college is when I stopped reading, actually, because it was so much reading for 
another purpose. It's like, I don't enjoy it no more because now somebody's telling me I need to read four or five chapters a week. I don't want to do that. Like when I wanted to read, you know, I was reading it. Now, after that, I've been finding myself struggling to get back into reading as much um, as I used to. And also wasn't on social media prior to going to college. Like I was off social media, like most of my high school uh, period. So it was just, it's just been a, a, cha- a challenge getting back into certain things. Um, but I'm working on it. I do want to start back reading, especially Black authors. I haven't been intentional about that, but wanting to be a Black author has made me more intentional about that. So thinking about, I read a lot of uh, Black poets now just to kind of see what's out there, how can I stand out, or what is something that's needed that I see that all of them have. Yeah, definitely. I think my journey, like with books, is similar. It's, it was like um, before we had before we could go outside and play, I'm like, I got to read for 30 minutes. Even though she didn't like implement that with my brother, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, my sister got to read before you go outside to play, and from there, I remember just like being so engrossed in the book that like I had to be pulled to go back outside. <laughs> so I was just like read all the time. She was trying to take books from me. She's like, I'm reading, which is like hilarious. But like, I'm like, no, this book is too good. I would laugh in books. I would cry reading books. And that's why I was like, this is like watching a movie because I'm a visual person, so I can see everything as it's being, as I'm reading it. Um, and definitely once I, um, I think in elementary school, I was definitely like Judy Bloom and Super Fudge and all those different books. Now I, I really love those books. And then I really got into young adult, like middle school. Uh, I think the first young, young adult book I read, I can recall, is um, Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom. That's when she kind of went more into like, the young adult world rather than like the, you know, kids, kids or children's book. And then I went to college and I remember the like urban lit section, section of the library. <laughs> and I used to check out books, but I wouldn't, sometimes the covers could be like a little giveaway. So I would like try to turn the books around so the library couldn't see them, even though she would turn them around anyway. So like I would try to hide the book covers. Um, but I like, I literally would just go to the library and get like four, five books. And then just read them all through the week. Um, so I always enjoy books. And I always kind of see myself in the book, even if they were like ahead of my time as far as like young adults. <laughs> I still would be like, oh, I kind of could see that. Or just being really a curious person. I think that's what like draw, drove me to read the story, just interested in how they live and how they navigate life and their relationships and things like that. So I always enjoy <laughs> books in general. I think my first introduction to like Black Arthur was like the urban lit. Um, and then after that, obviously, it went into other things. So, so yeah, Sister Soldier probably was my first. Yeah. Oh yeah, I stole my sister. I stole my cousin's um, <laughs> Cody's Winter Ever book, and I still have that book today. She's not giving it back. <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> stole mine. That's not right of y'all to do that. Y'all, that's a classic. You gotta <laughs> get those back. That's not right, y'all. <laughs> but she already read it. So I'm like, don't matter. That's personal. I, like, I feel that. <laughs> My book is still missing. Her name is Victoria. I know who you are, Victoria Smith. I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, her name is Victoria too. Yes, that's what. Are you her. I, yes, I let her. I lent it to her. And you ain't seen it since. My mama mad because it was my mama book that I brought to steal. You know to give it to her, and I never got it back. Mm, okay, but yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Reading has always made just made me excited, or to see how we have like shifted. Um, how we, I don't know how we, I don't know how we see books. People, there's still people out there that's like, I hate reading. Like I would never pick up a book. And it's still just like, 
hey, you hate reading? Because, like, in my mind, like, reading is, like, everything. Um, and we, I do go in and out as well sometimes, depending on, like, adulting and all that stuff, like, how consistent I am with reading. Um, but, Andrea, since you do share, like, some of the books that you really enjoy reading or, like, you could hope, like, you wish you could read all over again, wish you could read again, um, what books have been, like, staples for you in your life and in your journey? Staples? Well, like, in terms of the, um, really the one book that, in my opinion, it just made me um, feel like, you know, like, I don't, like you were saying, like, Sister Soldier, I ain't never read it, know exactly who it is. I'm like, y'all love it? That's cool. That's not really my taste, but that's fine. As long as you like it and you'll pick it up, that's the point. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was um, in high school, I had a reading class and it, it was so cool because my teacher was pretty much like, I don't really have a curriculum. Like you tell me what you want to read and then you read the book, you make your own reports. I'll grade you on that. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, and he did give us a list, but it was like 50 books and it was so many genres. And so there was a book called, um, the 13 Rules of Survival. And I think the author's name is Nancy Whirling. And that was one of those books where um, there it was it was young adult. There were three siblings. Um, dad isn't in the picture. And the kids are going through uh, physical and emotional abuse from their mother. And essentially, the book is the oldest sibling writing a survival guide to the youngest. And just letting the youngest know, like, hey, this is how we live. This is how mom is. This is what our everyday looks like. So it's, you know, it's not the it's not the most happiest story. But that was the moment where I was like, one, like, this is something that I enjoy. And I'm OK with that. It, it may not be the norm right now, but that's fine. Um, it's also the first book that I ever marked up. And I didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> Because there are some people that are very particular. They're like, I don't want to write it and I don't want to bend in the corners. But when I look back at it, there were so many thoughts. And I was probably, I don't know, 14. So for me, that's the staple because it's like, this is how I was thinking so many years ago. Do I have these same thoughts? I don't know. Do I feel the same way? And I just, that's a treasure to me because it's it's nostalgic in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Um. Another one that is near to dear to me is um, An American Marriage by Tiari Jones, uh, because it is a book about three characters, two of which were once married, but um, the husband was wrongfully accused of a crime. And so he spends, I don't know how long in prison, but he's in prison longer uh, for the time that he can be with his wife. And so in that time that they're apart, obviously their marriage falls apart. And we see that they have different views on marriage. And then there's a third character who also has a a different view on marriage. And I like that because, one, marriage isn't going to be for anybody, for everybody anyway. But when you read it and you put yourself in the mindset of each character, you can kind of understand why these characters are making the decisions that they make, regardless if you agree with them or not. So it's it's a really good conversation. And I think that's a that's a book that I've read twice. Um, I usually read it once a year to see where my mindset is. But this year, school is, is just a lot. So 
physio sitting on my shelf. Definitely. I heard, I see you writing that eight page paper. Was it the day before? It's due today. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I'm on page five, so I'm getting there. Oh, okay. It's good. Last I think last night was page four. So exactly. <laughs> We're getting somewhere. <laughs> Okay, I definitely can relate to like, you know how you watch a movie when you're younger and you love it or you like have your own perspective about it, but not really thinking too much about it because you're a kid. And you get older, you see the movie again. It's like, oh, I didn't recognize all these different things. Or like, because we have all these experiences now, we can relate to the characters a little bit differently. Um, like one movie I used to watch all the time when I was in like high school, like early high school, middle school, was like, why did I get married? I wasn't married. I don't know why I was obsessed with this movie, but I was obsessed with this movie. Um, but now I can understand, like, as I got older, like, different things that maybe I didn't understand at that time in my life. So it's almost like a perfect opportunity to, like, not say measure my growth, but measure how my mind is changing and my perspective is changing. Um, so I think it's the same way with books, especially if you reread them and, like, notice different things now that we experience certain things. Because certain things I just can't connect to, it depends. Um, when I haven't experienced it, but I, I could connect it to the emotion, but not necessarily the experience of it. Um, so yeah, I definitely love that. Um, but I also wanted to, uh, before we dive into like these different topics, I wanted to also ask you about your background in like, um, not necessarily psychology, but I know you're going to school to be a school counselor, right? Right. What led you to that path? This is going to sound terrible, but when I was a kid, um, my viewpoint of therapy and counseling, I was like, pay somebody else to tell you what's wrong with you. Yes, I will do that. Um, <laughs> and um, I've always enjoyed helping people essentially solve their own problems, because especially when you just kind of like reword things and um, just kind of like repeat back what someone may be going through, like doing that can kind of help people see like, oh, I may have not thought of it in that way, or hmm, maybe I can try this. And so I always wanted to go into counseling mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. Um, but when I got my bachelor's in psychology, I was like, oh, psychology and counseling, they're not the same. And then at one point I was kind of like, hmm. I don't know if I want to do mental health counseling. I don't know if I want to do like marriage and family therapy. And in my opinion, I had a really good high school counselor. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hmm, well, maybe I can do something like that because essentially all it is is just, you know, making sure that everybody graduates when they're supposed to. Um, but as I got into the program, I'm learning that really depending on the grade level that you're in and your district and administration, all of that, um, that could be your focus, but um, at least from the school counselors that I've talked to, um, the lower the grade level is when you can actually do some form of counseling or some form of teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what led me to school counseling, because I'm like, if I can get in the elementary or the middle school level, like I can actually use the counseling techniques that I'm learning about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Definitely. I remember in grad school, they were like the school counselor or mental health counselor. Like, I was like, school counselor? Because it's very rare to have great, like, school counselors. At least where I grew up, it was like, 
either they were cool or they just were so busy that it, I, I never thought to go to my school counselor for like anything other than like am I graduating like are my classes in check um different things like that so I do feel like those roles are needed in school especially mm-hmm. now <laughs> and actually utilizing the degree uh, within that space because I feel like it, it's, it's becoming an issue um, like with school shootings or just like being able for, even having a space in schools where children or teens can feel safe to like kind of share a little about what they're navigating because sometimes when we go home and we tell people things it's like you're a kid what are you going through like you have no bills to pay <laughs> like what are you worried about? Um, but for a kid, like sometimes I my uh clients say I'm like in their world, like they have teenagers, I'm like, having a breakup is a big deal. Like really think about when you were younger and you had your first breakup. Like it's a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crisis. And then I am just like, oh my God, like girl, boy, whoever, like you're gonna find love again. Like we but we gotta understand <laughs> we gotta meet them where they are because they not looking a year, two, five years from now. They like right now. I don't have nobody and it sucks. So, so yeah, definitely. So it's a, it's a weird space. Like, because, you know, I'm a mental health counselor, but I work in the school. Right. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to play both roles. I don't do a lot of therapy because I'm too busy handling the crisis all the time. And like you said, a breakup is not a crisis. If you can't be in class because you're sad, because you cheated on somebody, I'm sorry. That's not my problem. You know, that it's my problem because I'm your therapist, but it's really not my problem in that sense. So my my job is to teach you, why are you upset? Let's get to the core issue. What choices did you make that led us to this situation? But at the same time, I also put myself in their shoes. Like when I was this age, I wasn't tripping. If I lost a boyfriend on Monday, I would have another one on Wednesday. I, it literally like school was that simple that nobody cared. It wasn't this thing of, oh, she's the hottest thing. It was like, we go out. Where are we going to class? Like, we're not going anywhere. There was nothing that we were really doing versus now. Kids are allowed to go on dates. They hanging out. They kissing. They having sex. And they at each other's houses. That was never a thing when I was in school. So a breakup to me was like, Oh, okay. You're not going to share your pencil with me. Woo. You know, like it just wasn't that deep. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have a hard time empathizing with this crisis that they're like, I know my kids, so I do know why they're in crisis, but it's like, if I didn't know these kids, I would be like, y'all tripping. Like y'all really tripping over nothing. Because like I said, it was literally every week you can have a different boyfriend if you wanted to when I was in school. Cause Everybody was just, it, we were all friends and like having a boyfriend just meant, well, now you my best friend. Like it really wasn't nothing like this, my man, and we get married, we have a kids. Like we talked about that stuff. We had little play weddings on the playground, but I just didn't see kids getting this emotional over breakups. Not myself, not my friends. Like it just never was that deep. Like it was so, it was to the point where, oh, I'm mad at you, but I'm going to just date your friend instead. And then y'all still going to be friends. And then we're going to switch. Like, it's it was just such a crazy time. Like, I don't see it now. And I'm just like, now kids are killing themselves over breakups. And it's like, what happened? Like, what changed? I really just always am puzzled by it. Like, how is it so different now where kids are willing to, like, kill themselves over this first love that might have lasted two weeks? And you got people ending 20-year relationships who are finding a way to make it. So it's just, like you said, it's hard to meet them where they're at while also knowing there's going to be somebody else. Mm. Like I really struggle with that a lot of times. Cause I'm just like, 
they don't pay me enough for this to run around <laughs> about relationships. They don't. It ain't like you're here for the money. Listen, if y'all knew how little we got paid, it's not about the money. I truly do care. But I just can't be running around chasing you over a breakup every day. Like that I can't do. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know my job. Like, oh. I comments like, because I'm like, girl, I, I can't. I, that's why I said I respect people who are in that field, who are going to work in the school setting, because it is a lot. It's a, yeah. different, it's a different landscape than, like, when we grew up. It's like, I feel old now. Every time you say that, because I'm like, I'm only 31. Like, it's not that, I'm not that old. Right. But when you start to, like, mature and you see things, and you just, yeah. like, in hindsight, it's just, like, those things don't seem so insignificant. But... But that makes me think about like what's happening. Is it deeper than that? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, likely it is. It's it's um, in the home, you know. It's a lot yeah. in the home. That's the that's the only reason I could be do my job as effectively as I do because I know, like I said, the background. But if that was not there, ooh, I'd be having to look at another career. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh. And then, like for me, I've always indirectly worked with kids um in every job that I've ever had I've always worked with adults so like right now I'm an academic advisor for an online university so I would work with anybody that's like 21 up but I usually work with people that are like I'll just say 35 at the you know at the average and for me one like to be successful in online settings you don't you can't have a lot of hand holding to begin with But what I noticed is with the students that I talk to, somewhere in childhood, it's very clear, they didn't learn the difference between being held accountable versus feeling like someone is attacking their character. Mm -hmm. And so as an adult trying to tell another adult, nobody is attacking you. Nobody is trying to purposely help you not graduate. This is something that you have to take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And hearing adults essentially throw temper tantrums, I'm like, I might as well just work with a kid. <laughs> it's real. It's real. It happens a lot. It happens a lot when you see adults doing childlike things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see where the growth was done. <laughs> like, where it was just, it was just like, okay. Like, yeah. And that's, and that's kind of why I want to pivot to working in a school, because if I can help a 15 year old not turn into that 35 year old, don't <laughs> my job. Was. Yes. <laughs> I hear that a lot of people that work with young kids. I feel like I'll work with you when you, you turn into that. <laughs> we can go back. Right. Because I'm just I'm just too goofy to, to work with kids. Because they be saying some wild stuff and it just makes me laugh. So I know that's not effect. That's not helpful. Um in that type of setting so well it depends you know sometimes they need their laugh versus their stern parenting you know like you got like you said meet them where they at because Mm -hmm. adults are stubborn they're just too stubborn for me like she said i'd rather work with that 15 year old who might be dealing with nine-year-old childhood trauma because that's a lot closer than 35 to nine like i'm just saying i'm 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 meeting parts of myself that are four and nine years old and i'm almost 30 so it's just like and i'm but i'm willing and open to doing the work we're talking about adults who nine times out of ten don't even want to do the work too scared to like it's a lot to unpack it's a lot (laughs) 
but that's a that's that's the that's a whole that's a whole little discussion, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have too many. I guess I have too many, but the ones that do get tested, I can't. If you don't, if you're not open to growth or change, then what are we doing here? Right, I can't help you. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I know how to kind of like navigate those clients now versus like I have to like force myself to work with I don't I'm not in that space of forcing myself anymore. I just I'm not <laughs> but um but yeah I when when we when I first was thinking about this episode I was like just I love your perspective and like a Victoria and I always talk about different shows or like things we're looking seeing on seeing in the world or just online or wherever it may be. So we, I love the idea of just sharing perspectives, um, getting someone else's point of view on things to either see it from a different place or just it just I don't know. I just love conversations in general. And I was thinking like you're the perfect person, Andrea, to have this conversation with because you have a very like direct and like unfiltered <laughs> way of like sharing your perspective on things so I kind of want to jump into a few topics just just up just us to like throw out this topic and kind of just go with it like what are our thoughts about it um how do you see things going whatever it may be whatever comes up for you so y'all ready for that discussion with those discussions let's do it let's go all right, y'all, we're going to stop right here. We're going to finish this conversation next week. So please stay tuned to hear the rest of this episode. Um, we're going to actually discuss a, a, a question. Uh, uh, what is it? It's, it's a question that we're probably tired of hearing, but us humans, we I don't know if we get it. So we're going we to talk about it some more. <laughs> and that is, is love really blind? So stay tuned for the episode. As always, remember the journey is never complete and we'll see you next week. Bye.